is John Floridus. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. Today we welcome John Roberts. saw you when you chop-chop into town Yeah, we saw you when you chop-chop into town You wear them high red heels like you bowed to burn this place down I see you brought I see you brought your groove machine I see you brought I see you brought your groove machine Thank you. 
muchacha, qué buena está. This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. I'm very pleased to be speaking today by phone from Billings, Montana to John Roberts. How are you doing, John? Doing great today. Thank you so much for making time to appear on the show with us here on Musician Spotlight. For listeners who are not familiar with John's work, he's a trombonist, pianist, singer, composer, and arranger, currently living in Billings, Montana. And we're going to talk about his journey with music, which has taken him all over the world, touring with a dizzying list of musicians and performers, including The Temptations, Chaka Khan, Chris Boti, who's been on the program, uh, been a few years ago, I think, um, L.A. Philharmonic, uh, Sting, Dr. Dre, Maria, Mariah Carey, Lady Gaga, the, the, the range of, of artists is kind of off the chart here. Burt Bacharach, The OJs, Jill Scott, Christina Aguilera, Los Pingos I saw on there. They were on the program about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. That's that, from Argent- Argentina. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> very cool. Cool connection there. Uh, he's also been on 11th and Grant and Live from Home on Montana PBS. And John is a professor of low brass at MSU Billings, teaching music theory, oral perception, jazz ensemble, commercial ensemble, world music courses, and more. Uh, I'm going to start off with something a little different here. I'm going to read a quote from your website, which I thought was really fun. John Roberts moves like a fish in the water with different sonic currents. And I want you just to talk about maybe uh, that quote. And uh, if you, is that something you can own? Do you feel like a fish in the water with different sonic currents? Well, um, that was actually, a, that quote came from a uh, DJ in Colombia who really latched onto my oh, first really? album. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he, so he sent that back and I'm like, oh, cool. Colum- the people in Colombia are interested. And they were interested because I was doing Afro-Latin music in a totally different style than they were used to, you know. So, um, but I, you know, I spent my whole musical career um, working on being able to play authentically in multiple styles of music and on both trombone, piano, singing, etc. And, you know, learning different languages so I could sing in them, etc. And um, I mean... I started off as, you know, I started off going to college at uh, MSU Billings, you know, I was Montana, born and bred, grew up in Malta, playing piano as a a child and playing trombone in the school band and singing in the choir, all that. And then I ended up at MSU Billings and had awesome teachers there. And that sent me off on my path to uh, Los Angeles. And uh, when I got to Los Angeles, I thought, you know what, I'm going to be a great orchestral trombonist. That was my goal is to play to be a great orchestral trombonist and of course noodle on the side and play piano and do this and that. But my, um, my big vision was seeing me with a major orchestra at some point. And, uh, as I went to school at Cal arts, I, I started discovering all these other things. It was a very, it's a very heavy jazz school. And, um, I was going to school with, uh, for my masters with guys who had been 
out touring with Ray Charles or playing with Gwen Stefani and things like that. So I, it was a real myriad of musicians and a lot of them were older. Um, by older, I mean the age that I am now. <laughs> <laughs> we won't call that older, but no. you know, they were in their thirties, forties, fifties. They'd already had some careers and they decided, you know what, we're going back to school to, um, um, get our master's degrees or get our degrees because the touring thing is great for a while, but it wasn't always working out for them for many, many different reasons. And, so, and I was at school with people my age and I was at school with like 15, 16 and 17 year olds who were brilliant musicians, some of the best in Los Angeles and were already playing at the highest level at the top jazz clubs and places like that. So I got really uh, more exposed um, uh, down there and I jumped into a group. It was an Afro-Latin band at CalArts. And I started just falling in love with that music. And I had no uh, experience with that in the past because, you know, I grew up in Montana and there was no Afro-Latin outside of some of the uh, kind of fake Latin stuff we did in our, you know, big bands and combos and things like that in college, which is fairly normal. But really digging in with this music the way Cubans dig into it or the way Brazilians dig into it, you know, or Puerto Ricans or Colombians was a whole nother thing for me. And I really fell in love with that music because it was all about soul and moving people and getting them to dance. And, and the stories the music told was, you know, once you start dissecting the language, it's the same stories that we tell in country music you know, mm -hmm. in Montana or that in blues, you know, tragic stories or happy stories. You know, there's only a couple of themes out there, really. And that's, you know, hooking up and breaking up. And then you get into, <laughs> <laughs> you know, country music and things like that. Everybody's telling a story. And I heard that in Cuban music. Yeah. Unrequited uh, love so, might be in there, I suppose. Yeah. Unrequited love. Yeah. That's in there, too. Yeah. It's always have something to do with love and, and misery. Uh -huh. So <laughs> um, I landed in a in a band my second year my master's degree i got an audition for bobby womack who was an r&b soul singer um he had played with sam cook he started playing with sam cook when he was 16 years old he even wrote the rolling stones first number one you know so i fell into that group and i'm like well i guess i'm going to start touring i'm i'm not just going to be an orchestral player i'm going to do all these other things you know i'd fallen in love with jazz and had great teachers in that and then there's all these other things happening where you can actually make money the <laughs> afro latin music and the soul music where you start touring and you're playing you know there's there's 20 clubs in los angeles that have salsa every night of the week so you can work five nights a week and and make a pretty decent you know base wage doing that kind of music so i just decided i'm going to learn as much as i can on my instruments as authentically as I can in all the different styles. So ain't got no color. Don't make believe that it ain't true. So ain't got no color. We bleed the same, both me and you. I said, so ain't got no color. what you say little ones are listening every day it doesn't matter the skin that they're in love them as yourself lest you know it's a sin so look around and find your neighbor do them and yourself a favor cause it's so Ain't got no color 
all up in this world together. Este rico son, escucha, 
John Roberts joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. I want to go back to the beginnings because this is very uniquely Montana. Uh, in your bio, it says an isolated ranch in southeastern Montana with no TV but a piano. And it almost <laughs> sounds like a story from like the early 20th century. You know, so take us to was, was it Malta? Is that where you grew up? Well, I was I was born in Miles City, and okay. I was born into a ranching family, and my dad was um, ranching with di- different places around that area. And at the time when I first started playing piano, we lived in a place called Ash Creek, which is about fifty to sixty miles outside of Miles City, and I think forty miles of it is dirt road that my dad actually helped build, and uh, <laughs> and. Yeah, again, we lived in a little single white out there, me and my three brothers and my parents. And, and of course, there's no radio reception and we didn't have a TV. Not that we could have watched anything anyway that far out, right? Especially mm-hmm. in the 70s. So my mom started us all on piano when we were five years old, you know, just started taking us through things. And, and uh, that's kind of where we all, everybody in my family, there's five of us, we all play multiple instruments, but we all started and still play piano. Anything else you can tell us just about that ranch lifestyle? I mean, I think... Those of us who are in Montana, even if you haven't experienced it, you you know those stories, or you know, you know your friends or or family members that have had that experience. But for a lot of our listeners, this is you know archetypal Montana stuff. Yeah, that's true. You know, and my dad was born outside of Miles City, also, and that's where he grew up. So, you know, that's where the family roots were on that side of the family, and it was you know his dad ranched and his dad ranched, etc. So it was definitely part of the family. Uh, tradition and I think that was what was going to happen is my dad was eventually going to take over the ranch but um, some other things happened and we moved around to a couple other places um, uh, ranching uh, near Mile City in several areas for for different bosses and then for a short stint out by Harrison Montana over by Pony there and uh, and then he decided at some point he was going to put himself back through school and uh we moved to Billings and he finished his degree at MSU Billings with three kids and one on the way <laughs> after yeah, after moving around as foreman from place to place to place. When did the trombone come into play? And my understanding from watching your interview with Eric Funk on 11th and Grant is it had something to do with a plunger. <laughs> as, <laughs> oh, yeah, as it should. As it should with the trombone. Yeah, don't all classy things have something to do with a plunger? Of course. <laughs> Well, yeah, we had moved to Malta uh, after my dad finished his degree, and we moved up there, and he was teaching English at the high school, and <clears throat> and uh, I think I was in third or fourth grade, and the band director at the time, he took a trom- like a blues trombone solo with a plunger, and I'm like, okay, that, I guess that's my personality right there. That's the <laughs> instrument I'm going to choose, you know? So That's I, amazing. You know, I think we choose instruments that fit our personalities, you know? So I guess I gravitate towards things that are brash and obnoxious. So. <laughs> well, no, I mean, with a plunger, I mean, the instrument, <laughs> there's a tremendous amount of expressiveness, you know, as much as people want to say, oh, it looks funny, you know, it, it really is incredibly, makes the, the instrument even more human in its sound, I think. I think in, on trombone and a lot of brass instruments, you can get so many timbres anyway, but trombone gives this looseness because there's nothing fixed on the entire instrument, right? Mm-hmm, there's, mm-hmm. You have first position, but if you know a professional trombone player can play 15 notes in first position, and after that, you're just kind of like, hope you know where the right position is, you know, and... Unlike stringed instruments, there's no fixed string. You just have this slide and, and, you know, all these, all these, if I think about it, I'm trying to figure out how I even play it as I think about it right now and talk Don't about it. Don't think like, too is hard. Is this even right? <laughs> <laughs> or 
Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I've watched myself, you know, if a reflection or a mirror is in the room, I can't play my horn because it's going opposite of me and it doesn't make sense to see this thing happening. You know, like, well, how does this guy, which is me, know where those notes are? So I kind of, it's an interesting uh, instrument for sure, but it is very expressive. And um, I think it was Strauss or maybe Brahms that said that the uh, trombone is the voice of God. Mm, interesting. So we'll go with that. Sure. <laughs> It's, it's just really, you know, it's, it's one of those instruments I think you can be as brash or obnoxious and as loud as you want on the instrument, but it can also play really, really sweetly. And if you play it right, you can sound just like a French horn, you know.
mija, recuerda, estoy aquí por siempre. listening to Musicians Spotlight. I'm speaking today with John Roberts calling me from Billings, Montana. John, we would be remiss in not also talking about your singing. And when that came along, your vocals are very much in the front of your music. And I should add in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. And I don't know, I don't know how you go back and forth between Spanish and Portuguese. I don't, it seems like a total mystery to me. I had a good friend, Etika Leckett, who could do that very easily. And I, it just seems like a, like a, a superpower. <laughs> well, I mean, to be completely transparent, <laughs> I mean, my Portuguese, I learned the songs, you know, and I talk to people I know um, to get the pronunciation. And in particular, a band lead that I used to tour with for a long time, he's actually from the Congo, but he grew up speaking Portuguese, French, Lingala, Kikongo, English. And he's just one of those guys that can learn any language really fast. And his style of Portuguese is in the style of Angola, you know. So I run things. Mm, okay. I run things past him, and um, so I've learned songs in Portuguese. I haven't really learned the language. Spanish, I've been speaking uh, and using for probably twenty-five years. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I've always been attracted to people of other cultures, whether it was Native American culture in in Montana or. Afro-Cuban or Latin cultures and Asian cultures in Los Angeles or around the world. I've always been really interested in other people's cultures, the way they grew up and, uh, and their languages, you know. I don't know why, it's just the way I'm born. Quis amar, mas tive medo. É que salvar meu coração. Mas o amor sabe um segredo. O medo pode matar o céu. We'll be back with more musicians spotlight and our visit with John Roberts.
This is John Floridus. Welcome back to Musicians Spotlight and our visit with John Roberts. Eu quis amar, mas tive medo. Eu quis amar meu coração, mas o amor sabe o segredo. O medo pode matar o seu coração. Água de bebê, água de bebê, camarada. Água de bebê, água de bebê, camarada. Eu nunca fiz coisa tão certa. Entrei pra escola do perdão A minha casa vive aberta Abri todas as portas do coração Água de bebê, água de bebê, camará Água de bebê, água de bebê, camará
Eu quis amar, mas tive medo Eu quis salvar meu coração Mas o amor sabe um segredo O medo pode matar o seu coração Água de bebê Água de bebê, camarada Água de bebê Água de bebê, camarada John Roberts joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. What I find fascinating is that, I mean, you've chosen, uh, to use a very broad term, Latin music, to be, it seems like, your primary music voice, at least the, the voice musically that you put out into the world with your recordings. And I'm, I'm not talking about your stuff, not the, you know, your performances with sure. all these, you know, hit makers and so forth. Well, I always wanted to blend the styles, you know, the, I mean, touring with a, touring with Bobby Womack, of course, and all those soul artists. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what you shouldn't do with your life, too. Um, but I learned a lot musically and expressively, I think, and I always loved everything. And so when I moved to Montana, my first goal was to, I'm going to put together a blues and soul band, right? So oh, okay. like, well, I like, I really love the old school soul stuff. And then at the college, um, my second year, I did a kind of a Latin jazz concert and like three or 400 people showed up. I'm like, this is crazy. You know, there were people sitting on the stage because there weren't, weren't enough seats and I was very taken aback. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to explore this and see if I can push it a little further. And that's when I decided I'm going to start writing my own music that blends soul, funk, jazz, and Afro-Latin and African music and see how it goes, you know. Um, we're all, you know, everything we do is a blend of a bunch of other things anyway, even country music and blues and jazz. It's, all, it's a whole bunch of amalgamations of other people's history, you know, that all come into one place. And uh, as you know, being a musician, that's all we are, is we're just a conglomeration of everything we've heard before, right? So of course, yeah, we all stand on the shoulders of a bunch of masters. So I started putting that together and I uh, really enjoyed it because I got to do my soul and funk stuff. And then I really got to, you know, um, explore the uh, Afro-Latin thing. And I had to learn that a lot better so I could teach the people in my band uh, exactly what I wanted. And, um, you know, it just seemed natural with my history of touring with the two different, the two different styles of groups to throw it all together. And it wasn't really preconceived that I just kind of put it together to see what would happen. And people started showing up and then the Latino crowd in Billings started showing up at concerts and really dancing. And I met people from Cuba and Puerto Rico and Guatemala and Mexico and, and, uh, Panama and all these places around Latin America and, and other places like they were amazed that this kind of thing was happening in Billings and in Montana. So I'm like, well, now I got to keep this thing going. That had to be incredibly affirming, particularly to get that kind of feedback from, you know, the Latino population there in Billings. It was, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. And I was really nervous about it for about the first year because, A, I wanted to pay homage to the styles I was doing as closely as possible. So I was kind of a, I was pretty nitpicky in the band and with myself too. You know, because my accent would be off here and there and and people would catch it. And so I'd run my lyrics past, you know, guys in L.A. that I knew or guys I knew who were fluent in Spanish. And we just double check things and check my grammar. Um, 
And my accent is kind of a blend of Argentine and Cuban anyway, in the words I use, because of the, the group touring with Los Pingos and touring with uh, the Cuban musicians. <laughs> you know, so it's a weird... When I'm in Cuba, people think I'm from Argentina. When I'm in Argentina, people think I'm from Cuba. Nobody ever thinks I'm from the United States. <laughs>
John Roberts joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. I wondered if you could take maybe a couple of these musicians, these this incredible list of, of players that you've worked with, and maybe talk about um, you know your collaboration with them, like maybe just a couple. And it's going to be a hard question for you, I'm sure. But uh, maybe look at um, you know how that collaboration moved you or informed you in some way. Yeah. Um... I mean, there's a number of instances actually where <laughs> that, you know, that were light bulb instances, but you know, being with Bobby Womack for sure, you know, of course I had some preconceptions, but the guy wrote brilliant songs and he would play great guitar, but he didn't know what chords he was playing on guitar. He just found the sound, mm-hmm. you know, and he didn't know the chord. He didn't know that this is a C11 or a C13, you know, or a C sus, just like a lot of the African guys I played with. They just like, I find the right sound that goes with the song and the right feel that goes with the song. I'm like, yeah, man, this is great. And he never wrote out horn parts for us. He'd just sing us our parts before a show, and we had to get him in our ear. So a lot of aha moments out there. That's fantastic. Well, I'm going to throw out names to you, and whatever your experience with them was, give us like a sentence. Not You don't have to go real deep. Just be like almost like a word association thing. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the one that, that really catches me for some reason, because I'm just, I've always been a huge fan. Chaka Khan. Ooh. One sentence. Mm-hmm. Or a phrase. Yeah, it's a huge voice, huge personality, and probably one of the best singers I've ever been next to in my life. Okay. Let's say, uh, let's go with Sting. Very calm, very professional, and very polite. Okay. I like this. This is good. You're doing great. Uh, let's go. <laughs> I'm nervous. Let, let's, go, let's go with Lady Gaga. Didn't say much. Just watched us in the studio when we played our horns and walked off. And offered to buy, oh, wait, took everybody's lunch order, brought the lunch back, and then collected money from us for the lunch order. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. I thought, like, oh, that's such a great man. Wow, it's so great story. Lady Gaga went and got yeah. lunch for the band. Oh, yeah. but then she... <laughs> I know, that's what we thought. Oh, my God. Know. That's so funny. Um, let's, let's do uh, one more. Let's go with Mariah Carey. Ooh. She didn't say anything either, but she actually bought us lunch. And that, that was an accidental session. I, you know, when you're a recording musician, you're going from studio to studio to studio. We were actually in the studio recording for Christina Aguilera. And it was the same producer. He said, well, can you do this for Mariah Carey too, since we're already on the clock? And so he said, yes. And so she came in and sang us our parts that she wanted us to sing. And we did it. And the album was a flop. Going down the Nile 
John Roberts is joining us here on Musician Spotlight. He's calling us from Billings, Montana. John, I think where I wanted to kind of wrap things up here was there's a beautiful story that you tell during your interview with Eric Funk on 11th and Grant from, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago or so when you were on the program, uh, about an experience you had in Eureka, Montana. And I just, I loved everything about this story. And I wonder if you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, um, I'll never forget that one. And uh, it really... I feel like in the past 10 years, I've really figured out what it means to be a a true musician, at least for myself. You know, I can only speak to myself. I'm not trying to think for everybody else. But, um, and part of that, a big part of that is um, uh, to affect others positively. And which I've found that when you do that, especially through music, but in other ways in your life, you end up getting affected positively yourself, right? So that uh, experience in uh, Eureka 
reconfirmed that for me. We were on a little tour doing performing arts centers throughout Montana um, through the Montana Consortium. Maybe I should just interject uh, for a second for listeners because our program gets to listeners all over the world. Eureka, Montana is a very small town in the very northwest part of the state. Three miles from Canada, I think. Right, yeah. So we were supposed to play at the high school that day. So we were on this little um, uh, touring. uh, We were doing a week of touring where we'd we'd always do a outreach concert or two, and then we'd do an evening concert at a performing arts center. And we were originally scheduled to play at the high school, but that year and that week, the Eureka made the uh, state championships for football, so there was nobody left at the high school to really play for. So they set us up at a nursing home somewhere in Eureka, and um, we went up there and got set up, and we were playing. It was a kind of a small room, and and there might have been you know, 50, 60 people in there. And I was singing a song called Lagrimas Negras, which you know nobody in Montana, unless you're unless you grew up Latino, really knows that song. It's an old Cuban bolero standard. And um, it means black tears, the song does. It's kind of a tragic love story song, surprisingly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and then there was this gal in front of me and, you know, she was about 90 and this, you know, really thick white hair. And she started singing along with me. And I'm like, holy cow, somebody in this nursing home knows Lagrimas Negras. And it turns out she had been a professional opera singer in Miami and she was of Cuban descent. Oh my gosh. She had moved from Cuba to Miami, uh, I think in the forties. And, uh, she was, had been an opera singer. So we sat and talked to each other and after that, and it was very touching, uh, situation. And the people in the nursing home said she hadn't really talked to anybody in a long time, let alone somebody who spoke Spanish. So we sat there and talked and we sang a couple songs together and, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was very, it was a very, uh, awesome situation you know you just never know who you're going to meet or who you're going to affect when you play music and i think that's really important for all of us to to remember what if it's one person or ten thousand people or a million people it's, it's just as important you know the numbers don't really matter what matters i think is that you um, affected somebody positively and sometimes i think we can forget that as musicians because so we're always you know as you know we spend it's it's kind of a dichotomy we spend a lot of selfish time getting as good as we can at our craft or writing our songs or recording our stuff. So it's so much alone, selfish time. Also, we can share them for however the long that song is, right? <laughs> right. So it's really easy to keep thinking about, okay, they're coming to see me. I, they're coming to see me. I'm going to do this. I, they're coming to see me. I'm going to do this. But there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. Well, I couldn't agree with you more on all that stuff. I do want to add, though, from what I understand, there was a marriage proposal that was involved in that whole episode. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> She did ask me if I would marry her, so I told her I would ask my wife and get back to her. I can't stop Wanting to stop Loving you We both know This love ain't always been true And I feel Your need To stop feeling too It's just that way That 
thing we need to do. It's been wrong for so long. All you get from me is that same sweet loving song. Take your precious love. Go find, go find something real. Not that thing you think you need to, girl. No, 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 no. But that one you know you feel. That one you know. Love ain't always been true You're listening to Musician Spotlight. I'm joined today by John Roberts. JohnJRoberts.net is his website, and that's where you can find out more about John, his music, his work. I know you've got another recording uh, that you're working on, which is a collaboration between Cuban, Congolese, uh, Los Angeles, and Montana artists. And uh, so I look forward to hearing more about that, and, and maybe we'll get a chance to, to sit down and, and talk shop again. Uh, I have to ask you, though, do you get tired of the jokes about... Um, you know, the, the chief justice. 
<laughs> I get them once in a while. There's other jokes I get tired of more. It's usually the hair jokes. Oh, know? oh, well, nothing. Hey, you're a handsome man, man. <laughs> yeah. just, no, hair. I, I no do hair. get the, it's, it's, that's that, right. That, that, yeah, that's great. No, I, just I do hear cheap joke. justice. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a, I think there's a uh, NBC anchor or CNN anchor also named John Roberts. Oh, I think you're right. You're right. Well, we're talking to John J. Roberts, the fantastic musician from Billings, Montana. It's been a pleasure having you on the program, and I look forward to getting a chance to talk shop with you again down the road. You bet. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. This is John Floridas. You've been listening to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today has been John Roberts. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through the Montana Public Radio website, mtpr.org, as well as through our own website, musicianspotlight.org. You can also find us online on Facebook and on Twitter. Our program is available as a podcast from those websites, as well as through iTunes and Spotify. Musicians Spotlight is a production of Montana Public Radio.